Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word. Spirit of the living God, I submit my lips to you. That you minister life in and through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This, this morning, um, I'd like to talk from, I believe it is 1 Samuel chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Um, that would be the text I'm supposed to reach. <laughs> but I have a whole lot before I can get there. So the, the title of this message is from a dead dog to the king's table. And it's speaking about Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. Okay? Um, so before, I might not get there. So let me just tell you. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, he, when a regime toppled his grandfather's government killed Saul and killed his father, Jonathan. Chaos ensued in the kingdom, just as it will. I've seen it several times with coup d'etat. When a new regime comes in, all those who are loyal to the previous regime, all the family members, his servants, they will annihilate, they will kill you all, they will hunt you all down just in case someone wants to retaliate. And the nurses and the servants in the palace, knowing this, all of them started to run, helter-skelter. And the scripture speaks about this nurse picking up this little child and running with him, and she slipped, fell, and this boy dropped and became crippled in both legs, okay? And they put him in a little place called Lodabar, far away, and Lodabar means no pasture, okay? And he's there all alone. Imagine living your entire life looking over your shoulder to just in case someone comes who gets to know you will kill you. And this is where he gets up and he lives there. Fast forward, David becomes king, and David looks for him. And then in 2 Samuel, just, just go there with me, 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'll start for verse 7. So David said to him, do not be afraid. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And the boy bowed himself, or the young man bowed himself and said, What is your servant 
that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am. What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am? And David said, you will eat at my table continually. So from being and seeing himself as a dead dog, he was translated to eating at the king's table. They said there was no difference between him and the king's sons. Okay, that's royalty right away. I want you to please remember those two things because we're going to talk about it. Mephibosheth is likened to you and myself. And we'll see that. I'm speaking about the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I mean, it was out of love that David and Jonathan made a covenant. So after David came to the throne, it was not right away. It took some years. After he had slayed all his enemies and he had sat, sat down one day, he remembered the covenant. This covenant that was born out of love for his best friend. And then he asks, is there anyone who still lives so I can show them the kindness of God? And that word kindness there is heset, a keset. That's why I named my last child, you know, mercy. I want to show the loving kindness of God to him. Okay? And we want to talk about this love. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. The love of God is powerful. And we want to welcome everyone to this time in Christ Jesus. The scripture says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Everybody say by faith. All right, that Christ may dwell in your hearts no other way, but he must do that by faith. I want to tell, talk to you that get out of the way and allow Jesus to live his life. There's no way you can live for Christ. I hear people say that I'm living for God. You cannot live God's life. You have no ability to live that kind of life. All right? So just allow Jesus to be who he is. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it is not me. It is Christ who lives. So get out of the way. Stop trying to live his life. And he says, by faith, let Christ dwell inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let Christ dwell in your hearts by faith that you will be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Hallelujah. Tell somebody I'm being rooted and grounded in the love of God. He said when you do this, three things will happen. The first one, you will comprehend the love of God. Number two, you will know the love of God. And number three, you will be filled with the fullness of God. All right? You will, you will comprehend. You will comprehend, but that comprehension is within a context. He says that you will comprehend with all of the things. You cannot do this Christian life all alone. 
So those of you that's home and you have not come back to the gathering, let me speak to you. Thank God for technology. It's possible. Once in a while you sit home and you enjoy the comforts of your home. But there's a scripture that says, woe to them who are at ease in Zion. All right? The, the love of God is multidimensional. He says there, to, for you to know the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth of God's love. You cannot experience the four dimensions of God's love all by yourself. For you to understand, for you to comprehend the love of God, it must be done in the context of the body. Some people are like the teeth. <laughs> you see the teeth that's white, like, you know, it's clean, wash. The person is going to heaven, but the person is hush. Oh, you love him when he has a great smile or she has a great smile. You love him when he's eating and making all the food digest in your mouth and go down. But the day he bites that tongue of yours, the entire body goes, hey, the entire body feeds it. But still, it is part of the body. Let one of your tooth, do you ever suffer from toothache? The entire body feels it. It is done within the context for you to comprehend. I thank God the day I lost my niece to gun shooting in Liberia. There are people who I didn't even know like that who responded and blessed me. I know those, those here who have lost loved ones and seen the response of the body of Christ. Okay? That's the time you will understand you will comprehend the love of God. Okay? You can't do it alone. Tell somebody you can't do it alone. And he goes in, he says that, then you will know when you have comprehended that, then you will know like in experience, experientially, you will know and in, in intimate manner, you will know the love of Christ. After you have comprehended you will know it. You will experience it. And he said, because of that experience, you will be filled with the knowledge. But only when you are rooted and grounded in that love. Let Christ dwell in your hearts richly and you will comprehend and know the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Go with me to Revelation 1 verse 5, talking about the love of God. Revelation 1 verse 5. And it says, talking about the grace of God. And he says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. I love it. He did not say he loved me. I told you it's in the context. To him who loved us. Who loved us? Huh? The one who says he is the faithful witness. The one who bowed the heavens, left his throne, 
took upon himself flesh and blood. The scriptures say he could be touched with the feelings of your infirmities. He is a faithful witness to what you are going through. Hallelujah. He knows what you are going through. Hallelujah. This is the person who loved you. The faithful witness. The one who is saying he is the first born again person. Hallelujah. The first person who experienced death and overcame it. Okay. He is the one who loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Has there been any person who died for you? Gave himself for you? He gave his life blood for you. Hallelujah. He is the one who is the, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the one that loves you with an everlasting love. But I, I, I love it that it doesn't just stick there. It says that he, he is the begotten from the dead, the prince of the earth, the one who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Yes, but a lot of believers just stick there. But he goes on to say, again, go to the next verse. He washed us from our own, in his own blood. Can you go to the next verse, verse 6? And he made us to be kings. He didn't just wash you from your sins for you to just be, oh yes, I'm washed. No, no. He washed you in order to make you kings and priests. Hallelujah. He, he washed you. You know, my, my wife, when we got the house, I wanted to just move in it. I'm ready to just move. She said, no. We have to go and clean up. I said, the house? I went there. There's nothing there. It's, it's clean. No, I do not know who cleaned it. This woman went with all the Clorox and, I mean, all of the door handles. And she said, all of this kitchen, all of the handles there, you must change it. I don't know who touched it. She went in the bathroom. I mean, just cleaning it, getting prepared for her and her children, the household to move in it. God did not just wash you for, to leave you empty. <laughs> he was getting ready to step into you. Hallelujah. That's why he cleansed you with his own blood. It's not the blood of cows. It's not the blood of goats. It's not the blood of sheep. He washed you in his own blood. Revelation said the life of the flesh is in the blood. So you, he gives you his own life, the God kind of life. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, I have the God kind of life. Hallelujah. He's the king. And when he moved inside of you, you be, he became king of who? Kings. So he made you to be like himself. That's that's. That's all-encompassing love. That's, that's the kind of love that we have received as children of the living God. We are royalty. 
I do not know how you feel about yourself, but you are royalty as far as God is concerned. You are what? Hallelujah. He, he made you to be his child, his own, to be like him. Are you here with me? Go with me to Ephesians 2, 4 to 7, Ephesians 2. I'm talking about the love of God. And we all need to be rooted and grounded in this love. Hallelujah. Rooted and grounded in the love that God has showed to us. He says there in Ephesians chapter 2, 4 to 7, But God, who is rich in mercy, aren't you glad that he is rich in mercy? His mercies are what? New. In my heart I can hear, he is rich in Mercedes. And his Mercedes are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I get to ride in a new Mercedes every morning. I don't know how you see yourself when I get up in the morning. I like, you know, this morning I'm riding Charo. Charity, charity, charity. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? So the Apostle Paul goes on to describe God's love towards us. And he says, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. It's not only Mephibosheth who saw himself a dead dog. But we all were dead. And he says, whilst we were unresponsive towards him, while we were yet his enemies, he, he said, his great love wherewith he loved us. King David, this is his enemy. This man, his grandfather tried to kill me. But because of covenant, because of what I promise, it doesn't even have anything to do with Mephibosheth. There was a time the Jebusites, they inhabited Zion. And they were taunting David. David and his men wanted to get Jerusalem. Therefore, they put the cripple on the walls. The blind, they put them on the walls and told David, you are not even strong enough to be able to capture the blind and the cripple. So David told his men to take Mount Zion. And when they took Mount Zion, the people in the city, David's men, they said, no cripple is allowed in Jerusalem. So when you read this account for yourself, it is always stated when the people talk about Mephibosheth, he is crippled. Lord, he is crippled. He is lame in both feet. 
So when David said, this man will eat at my table. Oh, the grace of God. How, how much love. Hallelujah. God sees all of your wrong. But still, he loves you with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. The same life that's in Jesus, he has given to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has made, he has raised us up together with Jesus. He has made us to also sit down together with Jesus. All of that you must be rooted and grounded in this thing. You know, some people just, all right, say it, and uh, it is mental accent. But it is so true, my position in Christ Jesus, and I must confess it daily. I am raised with a new kind of life. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have, behold, a whole new species of being has erupted because of this love that Christ has loved me. You know, I, 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 I say I pity some of my friends. We all went to the Bible school together, and whenever I return home, I see them just where I left them. You have the life of God inside of you. You know, when I read this scripture, Pastor Man, I do, I do not see after this story, I do not see much about Mephibosheth. <laughs> okay. He is still seated at the king's table, just coming to church, eating the king's food. But David restored to him all of the land of Saul. Listen. All of the land of Saul. Saul was the first king. And when the people said they wanted a king and they didn't want God, God told them, the king would take the best of your land. And this is what Saul did. So what, I think even Mephibosheth had more land than even David. Then Ziba, one of the servants of Saul, I think they say he had 14 children and then 20 servants. All of them became servants. David said, these are your servants. They will plow the land and make sure you have food, but you, you will eat at my table continually. There was no difference between him, but I didn't hear anything about him. He says that he has made us kings. What do kings do? Kings rule. Kings reign. Kings make decrees. Kings, don't kill me. Kings act like Putin. They extend the empire. We, we are ambassadors. 
we are supposed to be taking territories. Not just coming to church, eating at the king's table, and doing nothing with your royalty. Are you here with me? He has made us kings and priests unto our God. Hallelujah. So, let us go right now to 1 Samuel chapter 9. We see David now becomes king. And after some years of his rule, as I told you, he remembers this covenant that he made with his friend Jonathan. And uh, 1 Samuel 9, 1 to 5, 1 Samuel 1, 9 to 5. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Hallelujah. And there was in the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, are you Ziba? And he said, thy servant is he. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness? I told you that is Hesed. The kindness. He said, thy loving kindness is better than life. I want to show the kindness of God unto him. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son whose name, who is lame on his feet. Imagine that is what what identified him. He's lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Mekir, the son of Emiel, and he's on this place that's called Lodabar. And then the king, David, sent and fetched him out of the house of Mekir. I want you to also see the, the covenant that was made between Jonathan and David. First Samuel chapter 18, 1 to 4. It's second Samuel. 2 Samuel 18, 1 to 4. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm to the place, right? When he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. Jonathan loved David as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his own father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and he gave it to David, his garments, even as his sword. This is, somebody said, in a covenant there's exchange, you know, takes off his garments, give it to David, even his sword, meaning I make myself vulnerable to you. What is mine is yours, and I have your back. And this covenant was born out of love. Are you here with me? 1 Samuel 20, 13 to 17. The Lord do and much more to Jonathan. This was a time David had figured out that Saul wanted to kill him. So when he told Jonathan, Jonathan could not believe it. 
I, I, when you read the story, this is even after Saul tried to throw a javelin, a, a spear, whilst at dinner table. Saul threw a spear, and then he, David is telling Jonathan, I think your father is trying to kill me. And Jonathan said, I don't believe it. I looked at it, I said, well, I don't know, what are you seeing, you know, Jonathan? You think it was a love affair that transpired at dinner table that day when your father threw that thing? He said, I don't believe it. But finally he decided, okay, let's, 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 let's do something about it. And the, and the plan to, 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 you know, he said, I will go home and I will tell him that you went somewhere. So the first day came, David was not at his table. And Saul asked, where's David? See, he's not here. The second day came, David was not at his table, and Saul asked again, where is David? And Jonathan said, oh, he said he was going to see, Saul lost it. He said, you stupid boy. You, don't you know, I know that you are hiding this boy. Don't you know, as long as this boy lives, you will not become king? So somehow it was known, and Jonathan himself knew that David will become king one day. And he, in this verse, this one in uh, uh, 20, he made David to swear that when you become king and all of, remember me. And even when I die, remember my children. You know, this is a plea. And God pleads also and says, for the descendants of Adam, Remember. Tell somebody God loves me. Hallelujah. So, in verse 17, the verse says, Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. So, now David comes and we know about the whole thing about Mephibosheth being dropped. There's no one here who have not been dropped. The Bible says, for all have sinned and have fallen short. <laughs> we have been scarred spiritually. We have been scarred emotionally. All of us at one point in time, someone dropped you. <laughs> I, I remember, so all of us who experienced the civil war in Liberia, we're supposed to go and, go and visit the, no, no, no joke. For a good while, I was a missionary in Cameroon. In Cameroon, the gendarmerie, or the police, they are in army fatigue, and they go around with guns. So, Imagine me, for a good while, whenever I saw them, I was having flashback because of the Civil War. Now, every, what you call it, quartier, neighborhoods, had gates. Whenever I saw them, I remember the various gates where soldiers would be at. So imagine everybody living normal life, and I just jerking in my seat. You know, I'm going through all kinds of spasm and everything like that. All right? Every one of us somewhere or somewhere have been dropped in life. 
like him, like Mephibosheth. You listen to me? All right? It was, it was so terrible. Put food before us. You're eating and a grain, a grain of rice falls down. I pick it up. I remember those days. I remember those days. Psychology have things called determinism. You're not who you are. They got genetic determinism. I who I am because what my parents made me to be. I, I was born with these genes. This particular sickness runs in my family. All of the girls in my family, none of them can get married. I mean, that's how people see because they are born in a particular tribe. You listen to me? I'm talking about being dropped. But I'm talking about being rooted and grounded in this love. The scriptures say, if any man be in Christ, hallelujah, all things have what? Behold, all things are, hallelujah. You may, and it's true, you may have that particular thing wrong, but because of what God did in Christ Jesus, that his life trumps it, hallelujah. His eternal life trumps it, hallelujah. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. So some people looking at assessor.com to find who they are. You can't find me. Yeah, I'm not there. I no longer exist. I'm a new species, so you cannot find me there. My mother, three, we were three in my family that suffered from asthma. My mom, my little brother after me. And myself. They tell me I grew out. No, I got born again. I remember having asthma. It's like somebody pouring sand in your chest and your chest heaving. I got born again and I lost it somewhere back there. Henry, this is your RE. You have been refathered and you have been regened. Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah. When you get born again, you become refathered. Regened. There's a new gene that you have inside of you. Hallelujah. And it's the blood of Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory. Always telling me, go and check your eye. Your mother, your uncles, three uncles, my mom and her sister right now have glaucoma. I have been regene. <laughs> that particular thing jumped over me. <laughs> I no longer exist. So uh, glaucoma may be looking, where is he? Where is he? I'm not there. All right. They also have environmental determinism. I am who I am because of where I grew up. I grew up in the hood. I grew up in a poor family. That's why I am the way I am. You know? 
I'm, I'm not even demeaning the fact that people grew up in these places. I, I tell people, I still remember myself on the old road where I grew up as a child. There was even, even more gay town, that's before. I think three, two years of age walking the neighborhood dirt. They said the dust on the tires were like candy, licking the dust off car tires. All cars, rusty bucket that people were using as restroom. I can remember getting in those cars. You stand, sit on the wheel, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the seat next to you has feces. But this is my play, this is my playground. I remember that. Your environment. Look, look, give, give, me, give, give me help. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered together, ililah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why I love church. In his presence. Yeah. We don't know when we come to church or when we gather as a church. The environment. Hebrews 12 says, when we come like this, we have come to Mount Zion. It's, it's a high place. God has, I love this song. He lifted me up from the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. His precious blood washed my sins away. When Jesus came down, he lifted me up. Oh, yeah. That is no longer my life. I do not identify with it. His, his love brought me out. He said, I dwell. On a high and holy hill with those who are of a contrite heart and a lowly spirit. We have come to the city of the most high God. You may just come to church and be looking at human beings. But when I come, he said you have come to a myriad of angels. You have come to the church of Israel. You have come to the sprinkling of blood. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, he said, I know no man any longer after the flesh. That's why he said, if any man be in Christ. So change, that's why I say, allow Jesus to be Jesus inside of you. It's only Jesus who can live this Christian life. You listen to me? That's environmental determinism. I'm talking about being dropped. And this boy was dropped. Even as you. So don't give me any excuse. They have 
Psychological determinism. I am who I am because of what I went through. You don't know. I was abused. As I said, as much as that is true, what you went through cannot be compared to what Jesus went through. Whatever it is cannot be compared. That's why I said God was in him on that cross. God was in Christ Jesus. They said reconciling, just like, just like any CPA accountant during this time of tax season, reconciling the book so it can all, all that you went through, all of it can work together for your good. Hallelujah. When Jesus went to the cross, he made it so that whatever you did went through is for your good. It will work like a servant for your good. Your testimony, hallelujah. Somebody can be blessed by your testimony. Stop acting like you are a dead dog and get up as a king. Our king rules. Our king reigns. Our king makes declarations. Hallelujah. Look, 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 look. I just, I just want to read it and I'll close. Second Samuel 9, verse 6 to 13. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and he did reverence. And David said to him, Mephibosheth. <laughs> I want you to put yourself in this. I'm about to die. Finally, they have caught me. Yeah. All his life. <laughs> Even before this in front of the king. Can you imagine you are all the way on, say you are behind God's back. At the backside of the desert. And all of a sudden, you start hearing hoofs. And then people looking. The king's entourage. See the pain. See the fear. And then they all get off the horses. Where is my fellowship? The king needs you. What? You, you're just trembling. All that ride back to the palace. And when you get off the horse and they are carrying you. And then David says, Mephibosheth. Right away they said, David said, do not be afraid. So you can imagine how he flinched when he was called by name. And then David said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And he answered, behold thy servant, fear not. I will surely show you kindness for David, your father's sake, Jonathan. Let me show you what all was returned to him. All the land, thank you, of Saul. All that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Ziba's 15 sons and 20 servants became servants of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. 
and he ate at the king's table, even though he was laying at his feet. In Jesus' name. It's my prayer as we... You will not just be like my Mephibosheth. Just every day eating at the king's table. No different from any of the king's sons. But you are not ruling and you are not reigning. You are not making decrees. In these times that we find ourselves in, nobody can do it for you. To cover your family, to stand your ground, to be able to pray and, and, and stick and make your claim as a king. This is what has been given to me and I rule. No one can do it but you. Thank God for pastors. Thank God for your bishop. But you must open your mouth and your problems must hear your voice. <laughs> you hear your voice of your pastor, but your problem must hear your voice. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for your life. We commit this time to you, Jesus. Be glorified. Be glorified, Lord. We thank you that you are doing this in Jesus' name. Amen. Were you blessed? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God.